Echo protocol initiated. Hi everyone, this is Tanner. I'm the writer and creator of the Echo Protocol podcast, and I just wanted to drop in your feed today and let you know that due to some unforeseen difficulties behind the scenes, unfortunately we're not going to be able to release episode 4 today. But, so that your feed isn't empty, we are going to release a very special bonus episode. So this bonus episode is a live show that our cast performed at Dayton Podfest. So I hope you enjoy and let us know what you think. Thanks again for all the support. See you soon. Before we kick this off, I just want to tell you, I want to welcome each and every one of you to Dayton Podfest 2019. I am Terry Martin, a.k.a. Izzy Rock, and I am one of the hosts of Gem City Podcast. I also edit and release the episodes that come out on Mondays and Wednesdays. I've been podcasting since 2012 and have released and been a part of over a thousand episodes. In 2004, Adam Curry and Dave Weiner are credited with the invention of podcasting. And uh, anybody remember Adam Curry, MTV? Yes, he was the, one of the first podcasters. So there's all different types of podcast. There's all different types of way to do podcast. One is an audio drama, and that's, that's old school. War of the Worlds was an audio drama, but podcasting, audio dramas have really stepped up in the past couple years. There's an audio drama, true crime audio drama called Lords of Death that I really love from the Dayton area, but a brand new audio drama called Echo Protocol started out, and uh, my buddy Tanner is going to tell you about it, and then they're going to do a live read from, the, from their podcast, so please be respectful. And uh, go ahead and have a seat. There's a bunch of seats up here. You guys don't have to stand. So you guys can totally sit here. But thank you, uh, Tanner. And thank you, Echo Protocol. I'll let you take it off. Hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Tanner Elrod. I am the writer and creator of Echo Protocol podcast. Um, So just to give you a little brief synopsis of what the show is, it's a political drama that is following the four living former presidents dealing with the political climate created by the current sitting president. Um, So a little timely um, in terms of some of the themes and contents that's discussed, um, but very fictional in the events that play out. So what you're gonna be hearing tonight is a prequel episode. Um, So it is gonna be the final presidential debate between incumbent President Ivy Kane and her uh, what am I thinking? Running, Running uh, her opponent, Lewis Blunt. Um, and it's going to be moderated by a political commentator that's pretty prominent in the show. Her name's Philomena Martin. Um, so that's all I'm going to give you. So enjoy this episode. Thank you all. Welcome back, Friends of Freedom. If you are just joining us this evening, 
This is Philomena Martin coming to you live from the final presidential debate between Democratic incumbent I.P. Kane and former Secretary of Defense, Republican Louis Blunt. So far, it has been an evening of highs and lows for both of our presidential hopefuls. As always, President Kane has dominated the field in international issues ranging from nuclear capabilities to foreign civil wars. Surprisingly, former Secretary Blunt has taken this evening when it comes to domestic issues. His America First agenda has played well to the crowd and left President Kane at times looking, well, frazzled. With election day drawing even closer, tonight could be the defining moment for either President Kane or Secretary Blunt. The question on everyone's mind is, who will come out on top? But that's enough from me. Let's rejoin our candidates as they head into their final questions. Madam President, with a heightened focus on American security following recent attacks in San Francisco and Philadelphia, how would you address those who view your stance on domestic terrorism as lax? Thank you, Philomena. As many of you know, I have taken uh, the utmost respect for those tasked with protecting our nation. From the armed forces to our local police departments, each and every person in uniform places their life on the line in order to ensure our continued ability to say that America is a place for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. However, I cannot condone those who attempt to take justice into their own hands. The attacks in San Francisco and Philadelphia were senseless, but that did not give police officers in Jacksonville the right to gun down a Middle Eastern woman on her way home from work. She did nothing wrong. She simply reached for her ID as officers began to approach her. Domestic terrorism will never be tolerated, and neither will vigilante justice. America should represent the epitome of fairness and equality, but we cannot represent something that our own citizens do not value. Secretary Blunt, how do you respond to President Kane's observations? President Kane has done her best to support both the Department of Defense and organizations such as the Department of Homeland Security in their efforts to prevent incidents of domestic terrorism. However, she has failed. She has failed to address the ramifications of the attacks that do happen. Our citizens are scared. They are scared that sending their children to school or going with their friends to the movies could result in tragedy. If if we want to be a land of fairness and equality, the American people cannot be scared to leave their homes. Were the actions of those officers in Jacksonville wrong? I agree with the jury in saying unequivocally, yes, they were. But we need to ask ourselves why the officers asked, acted in the way they did. When we live in a constant state of terror, then everything is going to seem suspicious even a woman reaching for her ID. What made this woman suspicious? The fact that she was Middle Eastern? Or was it the fact that she was a person of color in an otherwise white neighborhood? These are actions I cannot condone. We do not live in a state of terror. We live in a world where tragedy has happened, is happening, and sadly will always happen. 
No amount of taxpayer dollars will eradicate those who wish to do harm to their fellow man. What we can do is to continue the momentum that my administration has started. Stricter regulations on the purchasing of firearms, heightened security in our border and port cities, and an honesty and frankness with the American people about what is happening. I would never say that I know what it feels like to lose a child to an act of mindless aggression, but I can say that I will do everything in my power to prevent another mother from feeling the same way. Will it be perfect? No. But as president, it is my duty to protect each and every one of you the best that I can. Madam President, I would never imply that someone is inherently suspect because of their race or their skin color. All I am saying is that the American people are scared. They don't know what or who to believe. The Republicans say we should be scared of everything. The Democrats think we should fear nothing. There has to be some middle ground. And that's what my administration would advocate for, an America that is still a beacon of hope for those fleeing persecution, but also an America that feels secure to its citizens. We cannot condemn terrorism in other countries when we still allow acts of terror to occur on American soil. And until these acts of terror stop, then I think it is fair for our citizens to live in a way that is cautious and protects themselves and those that they love. Your ideas Moving perpetuate on. a if, culture if of fear. If you will, President Kane. This question is for Secretary Blunt. Your party has been often characterized as unsympathetic towards the plight of those living in poverty. How do you address criticisms of the Republican Party about how they choose to address socioeconomic inequality in the United States? Money is the root of so many of the problems that we face today. Some people have too much money, and that tends to get them in more trouble than they would like to admit. We've spent countless hours and millions of dollars bailing out corporations and CEOs that had every opportunity afforded to them, and they squandered it. But we always reach out with a helping hand when they need it. The same cannot be said for those on the opposite end of the economic spectrum. If someone has too little, we view that as a problem of their own making. They should have worked harder. They should have saved more. They should have taken better advantage of the opportunity and prosperity that our nation is supposed to give them. These views are archaic, unfair, and frankly, ridiculous. We cannot continue to blame those in poverty for their poverty. Those in positions of power cannot continue to place the blame on our citizens who are being let down time and time again by a failing system. Government assistance is no longer a catch-all for those who need help making ends meet. The stigma alone often prevents honest, hardworking people from reaching out and asking for the helping hand that they need. Has my party let down its constituents? Yes, we have. But so has every party and every leader who chooses to view poverty as a personal issue and not an institutional one. Madam President. If I believe Secretary Blunt was being sincere, I couldn't agree with him more. Poverty is not a problem of the people. It's a problem stemming from years of government corruption, 
oversight, a lack of empathy for those who do not meet certain arbitrary standards created by men who have never struggled a day in their lives. And Secretary Blunt is one of those men. He is a part of the party and tradition that devalues those who do not pursue higher education. They thumb their noses at those who choose to work in a trade instead of miring themselves in hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt for the sake of academia. We need to make the American dream more accessible for everyone, even those who do not come from a generation's old bloodline or inherit a billion dollar net worth after their grandfather dies. Until those who struggle no longer have to fight tooth and nail for food, shelter, and adequate health care, America will never truly be equal. Some see race, religion, or sexual orientation as a great divide in our country. But the true line that separates the powerful from the weak, the us from the them, is how much money we take home at the end of the day. We do need to focus on the needs of every American citizen. Everyone who truly wants the American dream should be able to pursue it. What we cannot do is continue to funnel money into programs that have created a welfare state. We should not reward those who choose not to work or contribute to our nation's well-being simply because they do not want to. Those people need to be held accountable for the choices they made. And you are speaking While poverty of may privilege. not be a personal choice, deciding to remain in poverty is. Opportunity is there for each and every American citizen. They just need to reach out and take it. It sounds to me, Secretary Blunt, like you want to leave behind those who rely on the government to help them survive. What I am saying is that we shouldn't continue to focus on those who do not show any initiative. So, you, we, you, so we give up on people in need, Americans in crisis. No, we choose to focus on those who want to move forward, who want to see Progress. An eloquent way of saying those who can afford forward movement. This has nothing to do with class, or race, or religious beliefs, or party affiliations for that matter. This is about creating a country that can sustain progress. When we can maintain a system that promotes progress and wellness for all, then we will be a nation that is truly equal, a nation that is fair and just, for all of its citizens. And we can only do that if we are willing to make hard decisions, because that is our job as public servants, to make the decisions that will benefit the most Americans, even if it entails a certain level of sacrifice. And people of which this tax sacrifice will be easy? making this sacrifice. No, it never will be. But it is valuable and serves a higher purpose. Because at the end of the day, that sacrifice is for the greater good of America and its people. But the decisions That's must reflect the That's all the time we have for people. tonight, my fellow Americans. As we can see, both candidates have visions for the future of our country. And with those visions in mind, the choice is now in our hands. In a few weeks, we will take to the polls and decide the future of our nation. And that future, my friends of freedom, is what we want to make it. Now, more than ever, we need to value and respect the sanctity of the presidential office. We need a president that can lead us forward, 
to a more prosperous America. I urge each and every one of you to treat your decision in the voting booth with the utmost gravity. You are not simply checking a box and casting a vote. You are playing a hand in deciding what kind of country America will be. As I leave you all tonight, let us all remember that our votes matter. Good night, and God bless America.